You know, I thought it was funny if you could open up with your last thing or you were asking everybody if they felt like they had clear goals. Does everybody uh, feel like they have well-defined goals for the next two to four months? <laughs> podcast listener even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey know that today right now in your earbuds you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better more profitable location independent businesses if you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog check out tropicalmba.com Well, it's Christmas Eve, and all through the house, the only person that was stirring was the mouse that ate Ian's internet cable. <laughs> I have no internet for two days, and it's killing me. We watched Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer the other day to celebrate, and I gotta say, surprisingly good. Kept me enthralled the whole time. It holds up. You know, I didn't know that you were watching that, but we watched the same thing, the stop animation from like 20 years ago, 50 years ago, whatever it was. It was awesome. And for Christmas from my uncle, I got one of those hats that Cornelius has in the movie. The guy who licks his pick, the hero of the movie. Interesting. Feeling very good. I think I found my look. <laughs> <laughs> hey, boss man, today we are talking about meetings. Those necessary evils, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk if they have a place in location-independent businesses. And towards the end of this episode, we're actually going to bring the microphones into a team meeting. You'll hear firsthand Ian's ruthless management style. So that should be exciting. This episode was inspired by a voicemail we received from Robert Brandel. So let's play that. Hi, Dan and Ian. It's Robert, and I run a website called WebsiteToolTester.com. I just hired my third employee and realize now that I need to level up my management skills as my own role is really changing now. Recently, I stumbled upon the concept of one-on-one -on -one meetings that I want to give a try. What else is there? What employee management techniques can you recommend? Thanks. First off, congratulations, Robert. You're scaling your team. You're growing your business. That's how this stuff gets done. So Ian and I created five tips here, things that we think Robert could do or anybody that when you're first starting to grow a team and implement those first few management practices, when you just have an assistant or one person in the office, you don't really need a lot of management infrastructure. But when you start hiring up a team, things definitely change. By the way, you know, over the years, you've become quite the management guru yourself. Do you have any resources that you read or people that you've learned from? We've all read all the same business books. I think you know, having these meetings and dealing with people, it's important to just remember that they're people and that they have emotions and fears and desires and talk to them like they're humans. You know, We're going to give our five tips here, but I think that that's really important to keep in mind is we're dealing with other humans with emotions. <laughs> and so treat them like other humans. And that's kind of been a good strategy for me, I think, in the past. So we've been on the phone for a while, Ian, and I was mining your experience saying, okay, if you were in Robert's position, what would be the top five tips? So I'm going to read them back to you and, and let's discuss them. So the first point is never blow off meetings. I came up with this point, so obviously it's my favorite point here. <laughs> I think if you start to blow off meetings in your organization, that means that you shouldn't be having those meetings. And this has happened to me before. It's like, well, I'm, I'm meeting with a warehouse once a week and I start blowing it off because I don't have anything to talk about. Good sign you just shouldn't have that meeting. And maybe just make it once a month. Whatever makes sense in terms of we have something to discuss and we have something positive that can come from this meeting. And I really love that turn that you made there, which is to say that if you start blowing off the meetings, it just means that... Because I think a lot of us, when we start to become managers and hire staff, it's like, well, we got to meet, right? 
And so it's almost like you feel like it's a responsibility, but you don't have to meet at all. <laughs> it's like if you start blowing it off, it's showing you directly that you don't have to meet at all. And sometimes it's hard to decide how often you should meet. You know, in our organization, sometimes we'll do like, okay, we're going to meet once a week. And then it's like, well, we're spending two hours meeting. Maybe we need to meet twice a week. And so it's kind of difficult to figure out how often you should meet and for how long you should meet. So I think the answer there sometimes is just set a meeting, like a once a month or a once a week meeting. See how much you're talking. See how much you're interacting outside of that meeting. Maybe you need to have another meeting. But surely, and the point of this is, surely don't have meetings that aren't necessary. If you find yourself just meeting to meet and blowing off those meetings, it's probably a good sign that you shouldn't be having so many. Point number two, one-on-one is the most efficient type of meeting. Is the corollary at this point like don't have group meetings? I think so. We started implementing the one-on-one meeting because we were finding we'd have calls and there'd be two or three people on the calls. And this is so typical of meetings, right? Nothing would get done or nothing productive would get done because everybody put their two cents in and everybody have their concerns about this and that. And before you know it, an hour goes by and you haven't accomplished anything. Right. And so we made a push to do one-on-one meetings and the change that we saw was dramatic. I mean, the amount of information that we were able to pass between two people and ultimately the productivity went way up in the meetings. But it doesn't mean that those five people shouldn't be meeting together. It just means that they should all be meeting together on a one-on-one basis as well. Right. So that's point number three. So what is one of the biggest changes that happens when you go from one employee to like the three to five range is that you have to enforce and help create a structure for your team members to meet with each other. So basically what we've done is we've gotten rid of group team meetings and replaced them with a series of one-on-one meetings. So you're going to person A to person B and saying, you know, you guys should really be meeting every Friday for an hour. Here's what those meetings should look like. Go ahead and do it. I'm not going to be there. I don't want to get in your way kind of thing. Right. And there's an after effect of this too, which is like when we were having group meetings, part of the reason we're having group meetings is because, you know, maybe I wanted to be in control of the process or whatever we were working on. And it got to a point in the business where you don't want to be in control anymore. You want everybody that you're paying good salaries to to be in control. And so I found myself kind of like as the glue that was holding everything together. And that's a really bad position to be in, especially if you don't want to be in the day-to-day of your business. Right. You know, that was another after effect of kind of leaving the group meetings. And then it's everybody else's responsibility to push things forward. And that's really where it gets fun because then you can be working on other projects. You can be riding your bike like Dan does 300 miles a week. (laughs) But you don't have to be leading the meeting. You know, this is really difficult. I think I was talking to my cousin who's an entrepreneur and he owns a body shop. And he was talking about how at every functional level of that body shop, he's an expert, you know? So if you're always meeting with those people to check in, check off everything, then it's difficult to get out of it, right? Because you can always go back and do all that stuff really well. It's really challenging to actually educate them to do their own best work without you in the room. And that's really the idea of these meetings where they're, the functional areas of the company are meeting with each other rather than checking everything by you. You know, in the beginning, I think our meetings looked a lot different. So it was like, hey, do we do this? Do we do that? Do we do this? And it's because I had a vision for what the future looked like. And I just kind of needed these people around me to execute on my ideas and get it done. The meetings that we have now are much different. It's more collaboration, right? It's less of you should do this, this, and this. Did you get this done? It's more collaboration. We're coming together during the meeting to figure out next steps forward and to figure out action items. It's a big difference, right? Because you're leading people in the meetings. You're creating a path forward for everyone. 
but you're not dictating the terms in which we move forward and dictating basically the scope of work. Right, which sounds like task management to me. Yeah. Your fourth point, Ian, is there always has to be a leader in the meeting. So I noticed, you know, Alex and I were talking about it. We'll have a little bit of live tape of this further on in the episode. Is like you always ask people to set their goals and their next actions. Like, so that's one of the ways you become a leader in a meeting. So, how does that work? At the end of the meetings, the way I like to wrap them up is to kind of just say, hey, you know, what have we decided on? Because a lot of times when you come together during meetings, you're making decisions together. So, what are the things that we've decided on? We agree on this, this, and this. Right. What are the things that we're going to move forward on? And what are the next steps? So I think that just helps to give everybody clarity on how to move forward. Even if you agree on, yes, we should do this, sometimes it's hard to figure out what the next step is. And so a lot of times in meetings, that's what I find for myself to be useful to our team is to kind of define the next steps and help people to put kind of one foot in front of the other so we can move forward. In terms of being a leader in the meeting, I think that at this point in my career, that's pretty much the highest value that I can provide is basically giving people that structure. And it's not to say, again, that I'm an overlord over the meeting. It's just that I'm there to provide the outline. And I think that that's worked very well for us recently. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it's just about empowerment, right? Because team members, they don't want to go out of line, right? They don't want to offend you. or So a lot of it's about like agreeing on a goal and saying, look, I trust you to go after it. And here's the next steps. Go for it, you know? Yeah. Here's the final point, Ian, is create an office environment even if there is no office. I love this point. When people first start working from home, which a lot of us do, it's like, oh, this is great. I don't get interrupted. I don't have to go to dumb meetings. I'm so productive. But then inevitably, like a couple months later, you start to feel a little disconnected. Like, I'm kind of all alone here at home. I'm wearing ridiculous outfits (laughs) (laughs) that are not socially acceptable. There is value in that, what Laura Roeder calls, Laura Roeder, who was on the show a few weeks ago, she called it ambient information, just sort of being around the culture of that office. So what are some things that we do in order to create that, even though we're not going to an office? Well, we've got a couple tools, obviously. We use Slack. Yeah. That's probably the biggest one. And Slack can kind of act as a water cooler. It's definitely not a supplement for meetings, but it is a place where we can organize our ideas and get ready for these meetings that we have on Tuesdays and Fridays. And, you know, it's not even about the software. It's about the structure of, you know, everybody on the team checks in every morning. For me, it's as simple as I put a little coffee mug in there and say, hey, today I'm working on the podcast or whatever. We just Everybody says what they're working on. And so it creates this idea of checking in together. And it also is a little bit of an invite to, hey, I'm here at my computer now. If you ping me, you know, I can probably get back to you pretty shortly so that we can move our projects forward. You know, it's not an invitation to interrupt, but, you know, if you see something come across your desk and you want to move that project forward, because that's, you know, to me, the biggest problem with being in wacky time zones and stuff, apart from your team members, is there really is value in like, pushing projects forward, you know, because different people have their hands on different levers that all need to turn in order to get the project completed, you know? So when you're in different time zones, it can be like, okay, you send an email and then like the next morning, the next part gets done. And then the next morning, the next part gets done. Whereas when you're on the same time zone, you all check in. It's like you can finish stuff in a day. Totally. I love this idea of creating space to have conversations, especially when you're not in the office. And I think Slack does a great job of that. It's just creating an area where people can converse, but not have to be with each other. It does it much better than Skype, you know, because the thing about Skype is like basically it's like a telephone, you know, so every time you pick it up, like it better be important. 
Well, Robert, hope some of those suggestions were uh, useful to you and uh, congratulations on ramping up your staff. It's simultaneously really exciting because it's an opportunity to scale and grow the business and it's really hard work. So you're taking on a lot of responsibility and we commend you for that. So I just want to say one thing about Robert too is I believe that he showed up to every single DC event. Robert, congratulations on flying around the world. More than a handful. More than a handful. We've seen Robert on many continents. (laughs) I also want to say Robert has... I believe showed up to almost every, if not every DC event around the world. So that's quite an accomplishment, Robert, flying around, but not as much of an accomplishment as having three employees now. So congratulations, Robert. And I love watching these companies grow. So cool to see. Speaking of DC, people think you're probably talking about Washington, DC. You're talking about the Dynamite Circle, which is our community of location independent entrepreneurs. These people that are running these businesses, that are hiring employees, that are building distributed teams. In order to run the Dynamite Circle, Ian, which as you know, we have multiple events, we have memberships, we have all kinds of things going on. We're facilitating masterminds, like we help members get set up in masterminds so they can grow their businesses. All this stuff requires a team. So we've got four full-time team members. That's me, you, Alex, and Jessica, who you're here on the show next. And also a handful of part-time contractors that help us with this business. So there's a lot going on. And I thought it would be cool to sort of bring the mics onto the inside of the business. Why not? We have meetings. We have an all-hands-on-deck meeting every Tuesday morning. And that violates your first rule, which is to have no one-on-one meetings. So I think it's maybe worth describing that this business gets run on... Basically, Ian and I come to one meeting a week, and that's a check-in meeting with Alex and Jessica, which you're going to hear that meeting in just a few minutes. And then everybody sort of meets individually later on in the week. We also check in on Slack every morning together. And you know we have ad hoc sort of phone calls with contractors. Let's just jump into this conversation with Alex and Jessica. We discuss how we handle meetings in our company. We also discuss, interestingly, the differences between the way you and I handle things and why we all think that even though we don't have an office, face-to-face meetings really matter. Alex, has this meeting helped clarify? I think we're we're in the process of clarifying. I still have some things that need to be clarified, and it sounds like Dan, you and I are going to meet later this week and kind of go a little bit deeper. So we had a meeting about our meeting. <laughs> we had a meeting, and we decided that we needed more meetings. Well, so we've been meeting for years. Are there things that you don't like about meetings? What jumps out to you about getting together like this? I think there's different types of meetings. What I've learned from our meetings in the past is, you know, sometimes we've gotten too caught up in a certain type of meeting. Like there's a type of meeting we had today where we're kind of reviewing each other as a full team over what we're working on and what we think. And then there's kind of these other types of meetings that are more spontaneous, at least on my position, like where we brainstorm and shoot out ideas. And those aren't as regular. Like the meetings we had today are are good to have like maybe weekly or every other week, depending on what the business is like. But, you know, you've started coming to Austin maybe once a quarter, once every several months. And that's kind of where I start to use you as a brainstorm explosion, like opportunity, you know, like <laughs> I kind of name in high school. <laughs> <laughs> it is really important. The in-person meeting, I think it is. I've been railing for years about in-person meetings and how important they are because you can see people's facial structures and you can see them wince when you have a, a bad idea. Yeah. And uh, that doesn't come over so well on Skype. Agreed. It's one of the things where I'm I'm 100% like totally agree with that. Even like in person, like there's nothing that really can replace a face-to-face in-person meeting. Although I think you can get closer with video chats. 
as opposed to just audio on Skype. That's interesting. Yeah. How do you guys feel about that? Because I got to put on a shirt if we do that, you know? Video? Videoing? Yeah. Because like oh. yeah. there's, yeah. there's a whole protocol that Skype should build into the... That's kind of awkward. I tried a few of those when I was doing BKK calls and such because I know a few people like them. What's a BKK call? Just people that we're working with for DC BKK for the conference. So I'm not going to throw out any names, actually. But some people prefer to do video calls. But I feel like I get distracted trying to get into the motions. Like I'm, I'm looking in their eyes and then I'm not right. looking at the camera. And I'm, I'm trying not to look like I'm too casual the other problem with video calls over skype is that you can't play on your laptop which is what most people do <laughs> during meetings you actually have to be engaged you know so yeah. if you're just over the voice and it's hard to hear the tap 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 you know when you're on ebay what are some things that you guys don't like about meetings or were there things that companies that you worked at previously that you felt were bad or that we a, could learn from when it's a meeting that's a impromptu meetings that could be done with more than 12 people that could all be hashed out via email and then meet for five to 10 minutes as opposed to having a meeting with 12 to 15 people because nothing good ever comes from a meeting with that many people. So we have a meeting with four people today. I think it's effective. I think Jessica's right. When you have 12 people, like that's 12 opinions and it's hard to get clarity when you have that many people. Four mm-hmm. seems about right. Too many chefs. What's the term? Too many chefs with the pot. Too many chefs in the kitchen. <laughs> That's embarrassing. That's a common phrase I should know. But Are there some things that we talked about today that you guys got clarity on that would have been harder to do over email? Like, What are the issues that are meaningful to have a meeting about? Can I talk about the redesign? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely very, very useful to have like everyone in one spot talking about some of the things with the redesign because a lot of that's a lot of the subtleties and a lot of the like things are better like you can better read like people's facial expressions that you can't really do on a Skype call to move the DC off of a super antiquated platform called Ning onto a more a platform that's going to help the DC be able to scale better and have, be able to find content and be able to have a much better user experience. Yeah, you know, actually, I was just thinking of this as we finished this meeting. We are in Slack a lot of the times, and we've been talking about this redesign for days, and we could probably go on for days more. Something that's really useful to in-person meetings, and Ian's really good at this, is finally being like, okay, what are our end goals and making big decisions? So what are we trying to achieve? Does everyone agree on that? How are we going to achieve it? Does everyone agree on that? Okay, and what is the timeline for achieving that? And then everyone's on the same page. We all leave with a clear idea of when this is going to be done, and it usually gets done. Usually. Do you have any tips for being good at in-person meetings? Yeah, my job in these meetings sometimes is to just kind of bring it all back. So we spend probably 30 minutes talking about the redesign of the DC and what the buttons are going to look like and the typography and this and that and this and that. And that's actually the conversation that we've been having for the past two months. And so, you know, trying to figure out ways to kind of close that loop during meetings like this, I think is important in setting dates. Because priorities can change. Yeah. Priorities change and also direction changes. And at least if you can hit your marks, it'll give you an opportunity to identify new marks to hit. Real quick, what kinds of meetings do you guys have on a weekly basis? We have spontaneous meetings, Jessica, usually based on like what's going on and what's critical. So we'll discuss on Slack. Maybe, Jessica, you can chime in, but I feel like we're pretty good at certain things. We're just like, okay, let's jump on Skype. This just needs to be a hashtag, especially when we're doing conference stuff. Things get really complicated quick, and there's a lot of gears turning, so it's just easier to sometimes get on and have a quick 15-minute conversation. Yeah. 
there's a lot of value in having like one a week of these like kind of more like weekly status meetings to just be able to like nail down like what Ian was saying like nailing down like priorities and stuff like that but like definitely there's a lot of value and I know with the redesign and definitely with DCBKK there's a lot of like little things that like come up that are a lot easier to hash out on like a 10 to 15 minute Skype call than trying to explain it over Slack or trying to figure it out by yourself. What would be the ideal number of meetings like this? What's the best way to schedule them? Once a week is, is my ideal. A meeting sometimes too can feel like you have to have something new to prove every meeting, like some grand idea or some massive progress. And that can be a bit of a, if you have too many meetings per week and you're trying to always look like a, a winner, it's, it can be a bit draining. Once a week is, at least for me, a, a good amount of time where I can brainstorm, try to move forward on some things and and have some opinions on new things. I feel like one or two a week. I know for myself, I sometimes I use it as a little bit of like, it lets me like kind of like check in with myself to make sure that I'm actually hitting the goals and I'm not getting stuck in the weeds. Because I know myself personally, I have a tendency to like overanalyze at times. So like it kind of keeps me on talking about, like, okay, stop overanalyzing and like have I actually made the progress that I said mm. I would. This is Tuesday. This is our Tuesday yeah. team meeting. We used to meet on Fridays now and now we don't. Do you guys think that's an improvement? And what do you do on Fridays instead besides drink beer? I think it's an improvement for these types of meetings, like the team meetings. I'd say I wouldn't mind the idea of occasionally having another Friday meeting one-on-ones for brainstorming. One-on-one meetings are different than team meetings. How? My initial idea, and Alex was kind of made me kind of think of it a little bit more, is I feel like having a second meeting on like a Friday, if it was more like everyone that's more of a brainstorming type of thing because it's different than like a one-on-one where it's i feel like one-on-ones is very much more like check-ins maybe very much specific on like one project but having a kind of like an overall brainstorming meeting there's like value there because four minds are better than one or two i just want to fly back into this meeting like the magic of technology (laughs) just i want to say like this reminds me of a rant that you have it's just a scarring experience for some weird reason those company picnics we used to have together when we used to work at the same company yeah now i know what rant you're talking about when i went off on this rant several episodes ago i was actually really nervous because i was so hardcore about it What, what what rant are you talking about so basically what I said was, I think the day before we recorded the podcast, I was getting a slice of pizza. It was one of these places with like picnic tables. And I saw this team all with their laptop there and none of them were talking to each other, but they're all working. And like, I just could see that it was some boss's idea of like a good time to be hanging out at this pizza place on a Friday afternoon, working with your laptops open, like it was cool or something. <laughs> you could tell that everybody wanted to be at home with their families. You don't want to be in like a forced social situation to have to talk about your your families with your coworkers when what you really want to do is be home with your families and talk about work. Exactly. And so that's your responsibility as a culture builder, right? Like you get to decide whether you have lame pizza parties or, and what I loved about Jessica's comment here is she's saying, hey, like I love getting together with all you guys. Like why don't we every once in a while have a meeting where we're like, we really need to like take a look at our sales process and why don't we just get four hands on deck? Sure. Like buy a beer, but let's talk for an hour about like, just just get out of our head and like, how can we innovate this sales process? Cause it's broken or whatever, you know, like an all hands on deck brainstorm. And to me, that would be so much more valuable than saying, Hey, Friday afternoon, like wear something casual and we're going to cook barbecue chicken. You know, it's like, (laughs) really, you can't just let me out. (laughs) I need some direction. (laughs) That's the meeting that I don't want. (laughs) 
I feel like for some reason one on one meetings are a little bit more efficient. Like yeah. it's like you get on the phone and it's like, Am I in your way right now? Well, you just get out of each other's way. I don't know that I've ever told you guys this, but I, you both have very different management styles. So a one on one meeting with each of you is a, a very different experience. And they're both beneficial, but they achieve different things because I mean we've talked about this plenty. I think you should describe it though. It'd be the probably the listeners don't Yeah, know. we'd like to hear. <laughs> a one on one meeting with Dan at least for me, is very exploratory. So we tend to like dive deep into ideas and then get on tangents and like discuss the community and possible future things. And a lot of like big ideas for the future kind of start the form. I guess with Dan, I, I usually got to check how people are going to react to things. I think that's one of his big strengths. And then Ian, I go to for one-on-one meetings more on the logic and the efficiency and steps that need to be taken for something. So meeting with Ian's really beneficial because Ian, like I said earlier, always, always, I don't think I've ever had a meeting with him where it hasn't wrapped up with, do you understand what the steps are? Let's go over them. And Ian has like a very logical way of going through meetings. So I bring forward ideas usually. Ian gives very honest and blunt response. He gives his ideas. And then there's a period where we can kind of go back and forth. And so I'll give my concerns and he listens and we kind of come to a mutual understanding and then we agree on something and then we kind of agree on what steps will be taken. I think so, Ian's good at introducing constraints into projects, like whether that's a goal or saying, here's the obstacle or you have to work within this. So what happens when you have a meeting with me and Ian and we both say different things <laughs> about what you should do? That's one of the tougher situations to be in. It happens on occasion. Both of you get into a, you have different perspectives on what should be done. If I get my secret out on this, I'm... <laughs> I'm, oh, no. I'm not useful anymore. <laughs> I just you just kind of it's like, you know you you balance. It's a balance. I think is the right way to put it. I you each have their strengths, and I try to go back and forth. Too much of of either one is, can be bad, but both together is good. Does that make sense? Happy trails to you until we meet again. Boss man, did anything surprise you about that meeting? It's kind of cool to bring... Uh... It is. I like hearing outside perspective <laughs> on both of us, like how we run our meetings and what's effective and what's not effective. I actually found it very helpful. One of the things about group meetings that are good and bad is that you have to meet a consensus. You know, like I imagine if me, you and Alex are meeting, you know, me and you are going to kind of get on the same page about what we're saying. But if Alex is meeting one-on-one with each of us, we're going to be like extreme, like our most extreme selves, you know? Yeah, I think you're right. And I think there's sometimes like there's a value and an efficiency there when people don't kind of like try to create a consensus. They're just like, no, no, this is what should get done, you know, rather than like what can four people agree on right now? Yeah, it can be difficult, though. I think when you have two managers, kind of we're in this my two managers position, where you're saying polar opposite things, and then the person that's trying to execute has a really hard time. I've seen that happen. I don't think that we're so opposite. I just think that we have different approaches, which is what Alex was talking about. But yeah, I do think you're right. When we're in meetings together, we're much more likely to agree or to try and come to some consensus. And so I think that is the challenge if you're in Alex or Jessica's position, and you kind of have two people with two separate ideas about how to get things done. But I think I think it's important if you have a unifying vision in terms of what the end goal is, then these two approaches can be helpful because it's just two different roadmaps of getting to the finish line. And there's sort of another thing here too, which is like, you know, look, meetings take time and they take energy. And so if you spend a lot of your time, I think the reason that, you know, I think entrepreneurs make fun of corporations is that people in corporations, they like write emails and spend big portions of their days just trying to create 
consensus and coalition and buy-in and all these things like that have very little to do with actually just doing the work and finishing the project. And so I think that that's part of the value of just having these one-on-ones and getting stuff done is like, yeah, you don't spend a lot of energy creating coalitions or making sure everybody's happy. There can be some downsides, but there's also some incredible upsides there. One more question for you, boss man. What's the most difficult meeting you ever had? Well, that's pretty easy. I think any time that you have to let somebody go, it just never seems to get any easier. I remember the first time I did it, just awful experience, of course, just sweating, heart racing. The person didn't really have any idea that it was going to happen. So letting people go is, is definitely the worst kind of meeting that I think I've ever had. What about you? Yeah, absolutely. I would still count it some of the worst experience I've ever had. But I also think, you know, very early in my career, I was so ambitious with the companies that I worked for that I was willing to fire people that weren't performing. And that's really what set me apart. One of the things that set me apart early in my career is that I was willing to make decisions for the business and not for, you know, each individual. I mean, nobody wants to lose their job. It's always a huge hurdle to have to overcome. You know, sometimes that individual can be really holding back the company. Yeah, there's no question that you and I both very quickly, I think, are able to make these kinds of decisions. But then sometimes it can be a matter of delaying that meeting. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, Ian, I'm looking forward to delaying some meetings because it's the holidays and there is a noticeable slowdown in our business and in a lot of listeners' businesses. And I'm just really enjoying hanging out with my family, taking it nice and easy. And I hope that the listeners will be enjoying their holidays as well. And uh, thanks for tuning in to us despite the busy, stressful time of year. We wish you a great holiday season. Thanks to Robert for calling in our voicemail line. We love the voicemails. You can just go to tropicalmba.com slash voicemail. We'd love to answer your questions or uh, share your stories on the show. You know, Ian, we're going to be doing some Q&A episodes early in the new year. So anybody who's got questions, just hit up the voicemail. We'd love to hear from you. Or you can email our producer if you got a story for us, jane at tropicalmba.com. And we always love to hear your comments at our website, Tropical. MBA.com. Now you're pinging me. What do you you want to say something now? I just said the end of the podcast. You want to add something on to I'm pigging you. <laughs> yeah, I just want to add a little something. Okay. So after you're done relaxing. I like this. This should be like a segment on the show. Just like the real podcast is done. Now becomes whatever. This is like the Ian Sandbox. Oh, I got a lot of things to talk about. If you want to do that, this is <laughs> this might run long. Don't get me started on airline food. Okay, let's get it done. I got a bike ride to get to. Come on. What do you got? I want to mention one thing to our listeners. If you are not a member of the DC yet, the beginning of the year might be an interesting time for you to join and check it out because that's when we do our mastermind rush. As some of you know that are Dynamite Circle members, the masterminds are a big part of that community. And so in January, we generally do a push and that's when people form and join masterminds. And these are people that you get on the calls with every other week. And yeah, we're changing the format this time. We're going to suggest every other week, which is working out better for the members. Funny enough that you mentioned this. I didn't know you were going to mention this. We just had a meeting about this. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm fresh with all the info. You know, We had a really good first mastermind rush about six months ago. We placed over 60 members into a new mastermind. You know, Because these things turn over a lot, especially if you're seeing a lot of growth in your business. Yeah. You know, you might want to be in like a management mastermind for six months and then you kind of evolve into, oh, now I need to, whatever your next challenge in your business is, those things evolve fast. And that's part of the magic here. So what essentially we do is we pull members like, you know, what level are you at in your business? What is your industry? You know, pretty intense group of questions. And then we match people together based on time zones, when they're available, what specifically they're trying to achieve in their business. And these things are, they make a big difference. Yeah, they can be game changers. I've been in a mastermind for the last year and it's definitely made a big difference for sure. 
And so now might be the time while you're setting goals in January to check it out. Yeah, I think January 8th it's going to start. Awesome. Well, have a great holiday, Dan. (laughs) I forgot that part of the meeting. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, you too, boss man. I'll talk to you next week. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you.